Welcome to another episode of The Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, join me and my co-host, Alex Ross, as we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss a distress thermometer for cancer patients, Amazon health centers, and mental health benefits of acupuncture. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 42 for the week of July 20th. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Alex Ross. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is W16.722, jumping or diving from boat, striking bottom, causing other injury. In- interestingly enough, uh, this this happened to me this week. Did it? It, it did. What are you striking now, the bottom of? I- yeah, that's what I wanted to clarify first. Is it the bottom of like whatever the boat is on, um, or the bottom <laughs> of the boat itself? Because they both happened. So <laughs> I think I'm covered. Um, okay. So if I didn't tell you already, I bought a boat this week, and mm-hmm. it's a fixer upper, you know, a hunk of junk that someone had sitting in their backyard for the last 10 years. It's just covered in leaves and moss and. You know, so I'm trying to clean it up and I've got it parked in my in my yard. And like any new boat owner does, you kind of sit down at the captain's chair and you turn the steering wheel and you, you, you know, pretend. when your neighbor comes out of their back door to give you a funny look, you say, ahoy, neighbor. Exactly. You know, like mm-hmm. boat owners do. Right. Um, and I guess I got a little too into it uh, because I kind of like closed my eyes and imagined myself out on a lake and then I stood up and I got up on the edge of the boat and I took a nice hard dive straight into my yard. Um, yes. You <laughs> walked the plank. Exactly. And so I hit the ground, kind of rolled over cause that hurt and then sat up and hit the bottom of the boat with my head cause it's up on a trailer. <laughs> oh, there you go. So you hit <laughs> the bottom. <laughs> right. In whatever so, case of bottom, you hit both of them. So you're exactly. good. I covered all of the cases, faces, <laughs> all of the bottoms. Exactly. So, lesson learned, keep your eyes open while you're fake boating, and uh, maybe one day it'll work, and I can jump into water instead of my yard. Did you jump into the water of the boat, uh, aka your yard, before setting your anchor, though? Like, that's just, I did. That's just poor sailorship right there. I know. I probably should redo my boat safety course. <laughs> I yeah, also, you can't just, uh, it's going to float away. Exactly, and I don't have any working lights on the boat right now, and the sun was starting to go down, so that was also pretty dangerous. Yeah, it's very dangerous. Yeah. With that, let's get right into the news. First up, we have Don't Stress About Language 2. The National Comprehensive Cancer Network, or NCCN, just announced that the NCCN distress thermometer has been translated into 46 languages. The free resources helps providers worldwide identify and handle aspects of distress that cancer patients experience. Tools like the NCCN Distress Thermometer normalize and encourage discussion without stigma that might cause patients to avoid talking about any issues. The chart gives patients an easy way to let their doctors know how well they're coping. It also includes a corresponding list of problems to help providers determine if a patient's distress stems from practical, family, emotional, spiritual, or physical problems. The new translations are part of an ongoing effort to make NCCN guidelines and products more accessible to non-English speakers. That makes complete sense. If you've got Mm -hmm. something and it's working, it would make sense that it would work in other languages too, right? Right. At first, when I was reading this, I was like, a thermometer in 46 languages? Isn't it just using like 
numbers. numbers. <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine if that's just what it is. It's just like a marketing scheme where they're like, wait, this is actually in 46 languages. Let's get that out there quick. They quick. just translated the word thermometer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. Um, anything that's like anything that's cancer related is always good news, right? So they're always trying to help people with cancer. I think that like, can we just do away with any kind of stigma against any kind of ailment, whether it be mental health or otherwise? Like, I don't, I don't understand how that exists. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just strange. And right. I, I think we're getting to a point where stigma is starting to go away finally for things that like should have been like worked on hundreds of years ago. But I don't know. It's just interesting to me. Sure. Cool tool. Cool tool. Next up, amazing health benefits. Amazon is piloting a new healthcare benefit for employees with its local health centers near the Amazon fulfillment centers and operations facilities. These will provide a range of quality primary care services for employees starting on day one of employment. It will aid with prevention and early detection of health issues. Through its initial pilot program, Amazon expects to establish 20 health centers in five cities across the U.S., improving access and care for over 115,000 associates and their families. It just makes sense that when you got a workforce that big, you might as well just open your own (laughs) hospital. Yeah, honestly. Plus, (laughs) not to mention the fact that they're essentially just modern-day sweatshops, these these, uh, distribution centers and stuff. So (laughs) it's good that they're... They're like, hey, maybe we should start taking care of our employees that are in these uh, terrible working I'm, conditions. I'm sure there's an actuary sitting around somewhere going, if we provided these medical services, it would be cheaper. <laughs> It'll save than, the face. Yeah, right. exactly. It, it will cost us less to just provide these. Which, you know, in a realistic sense, it may be cheaper to provide a lot of preventative services than to pay health insurance Yep, and for I think, people who are getting injured regularly in the same way. Yeah. And it also just goes to show you that Amazon, there's like no bounds to an industry that Amazon doesn't want to get their hand on. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they're just like, okay, we have every single industry so far. The only one we don't have is healthcare. Let's start doing it, people. Let's go. Come on. Right. We need to come up with some things, people. We We're going to start with that uh, industry so that we can own that industry as well. Exactly. We're going to do this initial pilot program for our employees at specific locations. Then it'll be the beta test, which will be all employees, uh, and then they'll release it to the public here in about four years. Yep, that's probably <laughs> exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> and then it'll just be a benefit of Amazon Prime. There we go. $100 <laughs> a year. Minute now you get preventative care. <laughs> <laughs> that actually doesn't sound like a terrible deal. Like a subscription well, no, service I mean, that's not to be gonna happen. To, yeah. <laughs> like a nationwide health clinic. I mean, I have a, a subscription service for my dog's vet. So it's like, I mean, why why can't that be like for humans too? Yeah. <laughs> like, hello, called health insurance is what that's called, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Next up, we have helping mental health with physical treatments. Mental health researchers combined acupuncture with standard drug therapy to alleviate schizophrenia. Patients who received both the medications and acupuncture had better patient outcomes compared to patients receiving only drugs. Results were determined by analysis of clinical symptom scores and functional magnetic resonance imaging. 
the research team used functional magnetic resonance imaging to discover that acupuncture stimulates the spontaneous neural activities in patients with schizophrenia. Clinical data and MRIs indicate that acupuncture is effective for treatment and combining it with medications is more effective than treatment with drugs alone. It's weird to think that taking needles and putting them on your skin through a little bit of your skin is so helpful. <laughs> like that's so hard for me. To, that's always been so hard for me to wrap my head around. Like I know that acupuncture has a lot of health benefits, but I don't know if I'd be okay with just sitting there and having like 10 needles in my head. I think uh, if you tried it, you might have a different opinion. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. It but sounds it's just, it's getting incredibly that, painful. But yeah, <laughs> it's getting over that hump, that mental <laughs> mental block of like, uh, maybe this right. isn't a good idea. <laughs> so, so things like acupuncture have been used to treat physical pain and yep. ailments for, for forever. This study is revolutionary in the sense that we're using it now to treat a mental health condition mm -hmm. and so far it seems promising that in patients with schizophrenia they were able to kind of target specific neural um, patterns specific areas using acupuncture to try and relieve symptoms so they they used kind of a they used cgi scores which is clinical global impression scores of the acupuncture treatment and they compared before and after and it, it made it seem like the treatment was pretty darn effective in terms of reducing like that global impression of the scale or I have I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand that. <laughs> it's a little bit above our above us at this podcast, but definitely a good study overall. I, I wonder if it, I wonder if they're gonna move on to like mental mental health uh, benefits of doing something like the cupping technique, right? Where you get like mm -hmm. that glass cup and you suction it to your body and it alleviates pressure i wonder if that has similar effects with mental health i'm not sure but i mean i feel like that's the next logical step is to see okay what other transdermal treatments skin treatments can we do that'll help uh, alleviate any kind of mental health just so that right. there's a variety of different options available to patients who are maybe afraid of needles right or we could just tell them to close their eyes <laughs> <laughs> No, the description they gave for it, though, is, you know, so many needles that are such and such diameter that go down to a depth of three to four millimeters. And I'm just like, ooh. And they were retained in the skin for 15 minutes. Ooh, that's so descriptive. <laughs> it sounds yeah. so painful. <laughs> I imagine it isn't, but. Yeah, but it doesn't sound great, like I said earlier. And with that, let's get into our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H, Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol, where we talk about the latest cybersecurity breaches all across the world. First up, we have the irony of this revenge. A hacker attacked the data breach monitoring service, Data Viper, and it seems like revenge may have been the motive. Data Viper may have exposed the work of the hacker, so the person had a reason to fight back. The hacker claims that he or she now has over 80,000 databases containing the information of billions of internet users. These databases were originally collected by DataViper as part of the platform's operation, which is to monitor and index what is leaked on the dark web. If this information is in the wrong hands, the hacker could make it look like the security firm is directly responsible for exposing people's information. For starters, the hacker has put up 50 of the stolen databases for sale on the dark web. Uh, this is kind of scary. 
<laughs> he was. I wonder what kind of like information that they're talking about, right? I mean, it's kind of generic in terms of in terms of what information. Of course, there's billions of internet users supposedly, but what information is it? Like, is it names and emails? Is it right? We don't know address names, about. email, social security number, credit card number, like passwords, all that stuff. Like, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of scary. Um, all it, that for revenge. I am a little concerned with the fact that it happened. Yep. Right, because the the whole point of this service is to monitor things like this, and I feel like they, of all people, should be taking a ridiculous amount of precautions to prevent something like that from happening. Just because yep. they should be a target. Yeah. No, maybe, they're definitely. Maybe they aren't though. Probably maybe one of the biggest. That, biggest targets and like i feel like i mean eight eight thousand databases <laughs> is right. like no small amount of information and i don't know the fact maybe that they, they were able to, to get breached is like okay maybe maybe we should rethink about who we're hiring as our cybersecurity uh department because right that's not good right they maybe they had a false sense of security they're like ah all the hackers they'll see us as being too secure and not worth the time and so they yeah, didn't even true. bother. But then, you know, when you get revenge as a motive, as it appears, those people don't care how difficult it is. Yeah. So, in that Scary case, Scary times, man. Maybe dark web is like it was a bit easier than they thought. Anytime that there's a dark web like reference or anything, it's like, whoa, <laughs> this is this is sketchy. <laughs> like I'm that I don't ever want to get on the dark web, and I don't ever want to mess with anything on the dark web. So you know. Yeah, that, that area of the world can just stay out of my head. You know what I mean? <laughs> Next up, I Dunzo. How that happened. <laughs> Dunzo, a Google-backed delivery services startup, identified a data breach that impacted one of its customer databases. It included phone numbers and email addresses of users. Dunzo didn't say how many users were affected, but no payment information was exposed. Dunzo's tech team updated all passwords as a precaution, closed all vulnerable ports, and will be mitigating further issues. Their investigation suggests that the servers of a third party they work with was compromised, which led to bypassing their security measures. Dunzo didn't reveal details about the third party whose servers might have been compromised. That's a nice little reminder uh, that it's not necessarily just about your own system, it's also about other systems that you allow to access your system, right? Right. Yeah, I know that was a big thing for us when we were talking about, you know, some different auditing techniques and different qualifications and certificates for our own system. Yeah. And that was kind of like a, hey, potential client or potential customer, we can prove to you that our system is this secure so that you don't necessarily have to worry about our system exposing your system, right? Yep. You could say that their cybersecurity is donezo. <laughs> I was thinking the same joke, but I thought it was just a little too forced. <laughs> what do you mean? It's a perfect joke. Um, do you think that the, the boss man around there goes around being like, hey, Bill, did you get your job done today? And Bill's like, <laughs> not yet. And the boss is just like, all right, get it donezo. <laughs> all day, like, every day. If you don't get this donezo, you're donezo. You're donezo. <laughs> um i i don't know i feel like we're kind of past the point i mentioned this before in other pack podcasts is like we 
if there's a breach that happens, they happen so often, why not just disclose the number of users? Or instead of saying, we're not going to disclose the number of users, say, we're trying to figure that out and we'll soon keep you updated. Because like at this point, breaches happen so often, people are kind of used to it, unfortunately. Right. So it's like, they might as well let them know how many people were affected so that people can have an idea of whether or not to check up on their information and change their passwords on their own, even if they're not even affected by it. It's still a good practice to change your your password every now and then. And, so it's, and they should. Yeah, it's right. just kind of strange. It, it appears that it was just phone numbers and emails, so it's not like a huge deal. There is a potential for a phishing attack, but you know, it's not payment information. It's not identity identity information. It's it's emails and phone numbers. So yeah. I could see that being a reason why they were like, "All right, it's not quite enough to need to release all those details. We'll just change everyone's passwords, and that'll solve the problem." Yeah. Next up, your published story could lead to your published data. A stolen Wattpad database containing 270 million records was being sold privately for over $100,000 and is now being offered for free on hacker forms. Wattpad is a website for members to publish user-generated stories. The computer help site Bleeping Computer has been tracking the private sale and it was told that the database was being sold by Shiny Hunters. Bleeping Computer contacted Shiny Hunters about the breach, and at first they were concerned that the company knew about the sale but then denied having anything to do with it. Bleeping Computer saw several records in the sample which contained names, usernames, hashed passwords, email addresses, and geographic location. Wattpad said it is working to contain and remediate the breach and that no financial information, phone numbers, stories, or private messages were accessed. Okay, first question, no stories were accessed. Isn't the website designed for sharing stories? Right. They also said no passwords were accessed. Oh, wait, no, they didn't say that. No private messages. They yeah. they did access hashed passwords, which is, you know, you got to find a way to unscramble those, I guess. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I, I don't think that they're encrypted passwords necessarily, so I can't imagine no. it's that hard, but they have the number of characters per right. user. I imagine that's what that means. Um, 270 million records though. See, see how much better that sounds when it's like, okay, this is a big breach rather than we have no idea how many users were breached. We need to so. get a better standard though of what constitutes a record. Is that 270 individual people? Is that 270 yeah. database entries? 270 million email addresses? They how should, are we counting this? They should tier it. They should tier it as like, okay, there's different types of records. So we have like, Basic, which is like email address, something else. And then there's like advanced, and it's like email, name, address, location, username, and password. Mm -hmm. And then it's like financial, and it's like name, address, financial information. Like there should be like a, a categorization for records because it is getting to a point where it's like, okay, these, these many records, but it's just your name. It's like, okay. Right. And I'm maybe not a big breach then, but it sounds huge and it grabs that headline. So, yeah, it's a good point. I, I like the idea. Maybe we should come up with our own proprietary system for the podcast. And that's it for this week's wrap up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Alex Ross. And I'm Matt Moneypenny. Don't go jumping off boats that are still on land. And we'll see you next week. Next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The Bandage. This week's episode was written and produced by eTactics. E-Tactics is a leading revenue cycle solutions organization committed to providing innovative, web-based solutions that improve our clients' cash management and customer relationships. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.